Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word that it never turns back void. And uh, just uh, again, lift up everyone involved and affected by what happened in Texas. Lord, it just goes to show that Jesus, you, you need to change people's lives and just pray that you would stir your church up and your, your, your church being the believers in Jesus Christ, not the building or the, even the gathering, but the people that have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them, have you inside of them, Lord. Just pray that you would just continue to move as you see fit, Lord. Um, thank you for all of us in this community and just pray again for all the churches and pastors and leaders and Christians in this area that you would just uh, have your way, Lord, that you would do a great work. Lord, lift up Ukraine to you and the pastors there, Lord, and the people there and in, in, in Russia as well. Lord, that you would just have your way there, Lord, that you would continue to give efforts, Lord, to send missionaries there, Father God, with supplies. Um, just thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for Ben's ministry that's there and um, how they continue to persevere, Lord, in the middle of war. Thank you, Jesus, that you are always in control, that you, um, you place kings in their positions for your glory and your will. And Lord, we know that one day you're coming back soon. You're coming back, whether it's soon or 100 years from now, no one knows. But Lord, I pray that you would stir us up to serve you and love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. God, just teach us today through your word. Lord, just remove me, Lord, and uh, lift up uh, the children's ministry, Lord, that you would just um, continue to use that ministry to, to reach into the lives of, of children, Father God, and teach them the truth of Jesus. Just thank you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so Daniel chapter 2. Um, you know, I, this is going to be kind of interesting. I'm going to, there's, I'm, I haven't done this before, but uh, there's a, a piece of scripture here that I was going to, kind of add at the end of the sermon, but I'm going to start off with it. Um, and if you want to put it on the screen, you guys, it's the last scripture in my sermon. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. And I don't know how your guys' week has been. Um, you know, it could be up, down. We all deal with things in life. Um, I know Gina was praying for, you know, some folks this morning. And um, my heart's just really heavy. And maybe it's because of what's going on in Texas. Maybe it's just personal things. I don't know. And this week's just been emotional for me. Um, you know, sometimes we can go through things, questioning things a lot, you know, and wondering, you know, what's my life about? And, and maybe that's just, you know, how I've been as a, since a kid. I, I'm not sure, but, but during my time of study, just this, this scripture came to mind. And so I just wanted to, to start off with this as an encouragement for us as, as folks that, you know, I believe are seeking God's face in our lives. Um, and I love this about God, that, that he, he loves us and calls those that aren't necessarily, you know, uh, qualified the way the world sees people to be qualified, you know. Um, and, you know, uh, people have gone through graduation and are going to go through graduation, and so we go through these steps in life of qualifying, right, and learning. And I love this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31, the Lord allowed Paul to write this to the church of Corinth. Verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. See, God's standard is different than what the world's standard is. And may this encourage you today that God has called you because of his standard and not the world's. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Uh, 
and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. It's amazing how God, in the economy of God, in the economy of God working in somebody's life, he absolutely is not constrained by the systems that we think are in place to make things function. He causes those in this world to actually have to look at him and be in awe of him. And that's really what happens even in Daniel with King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2. Continuing 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 28, in, uh, in 29, sorry, um, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And as we look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, and may that, go back to that verse, if you're feeling less than, man, just look at how God builds beauty into us who feel less than at times. And I think about Daniel here, and, 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 and what happens in, in, in Daniel chapter 2 is quite amazing. Uh, Daniel, cha- Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, and the title of this message is, God in heaven who reveals secrets. There's nothing hidden from God. Sometimes we might feel hidden from him or things in our life might feel hidden from him, but there's nothing hidden uh, from him whatsoever. Now in the second year, Daniel chapter two, verse one of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and in his, spirit, uh, was so tr- his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. So Nebuchadnezzar had dreams that disturbed him greatly. It was horrible. He couldn't sleep at all. It was just, and he couldn't figure out what was going on. And, and, it, and it was really, and, and you have to understand too, that Nebuchadnezzar was a very mighty warrior. He, he, he was like, he was a very, very, very mighty king. He, 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 there wasn't, I don't, I don't see, as you read through Daniel, I don't see his character as being timid or fearful or any of these things. And so this dream really, really affected him. You know, you could view a person that's very strong and everything, and you think that they're strong throughout all of life. Um, and when something happens, you know, and a dream of theirs, it really affects them like this. It really means that it was a very heavy-duty thing. Verse 2, then, then the king gave the command to call the magicians and the astrologers, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I've had a dream. And my spirit is anxious to know the dream. <clears throat> so Nebuchadnezzar, who did he call on? He called on all of those that practiced magic and astrology and sorcery and the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans uh, were a class of learned men ranked with magicians and astronomers. So King Nebuchadnezzar being a secular ungodly king. He looked to all of the worldly things that he thought, you know, uh, would be able to give him answers. All of these, these people that practice supposedly reaching into the spiritual realm to get answers, you know. And, and so he, 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 he called all of those that were um, amongst the land to come and, and, and do this, to, to tell him what his dream was. And, and, and in the text here, um, we see that verse three, it, it may be that Nebuchadnezzar forgot or had a foggy memory of these dreams. Um, however, we do see that they were so intense, like I mentioned, that they disturbed his sleep. He couldn't sleep. 
Verse 4, then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. They gave homage to him, obviously. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. So they were trying to appease the king. However, um, that was not possible. They, no one would be able to appease King Nebuchadnezzar in regards to uh, you know, him telling the dream to them first. You know, So verse 5, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. And when a king of this stature said his decision was firm, you don't talk back to him. You don't try and appease him anymore. So my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. So Nebuchadnezzar had absolute power over the people and the land and whatever his word was, um, it would be carried out. And, and Nebuchadnezzar, as, as we go through Daniel, we learn he's kind of a hot-headed guy. Like he's like a flash in the pan. When he's mad, he just goes off, off the rails. And so we see here how he's telling the Chaldeans, this is his answer. Like, if, if you don't tell me my dream and if you don't give me my interpretation, uh, we're just going to chop you up and burn your house, you know? And so he was really serious. And so <clears throat> verse six, we see this. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you receive gifts, you, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. In other words, hey, you know what? You'll get great things if you do this. If you guys say that you, you know, you, you're the astronomers and magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans and all these great things, let's see like if you really can do what you say you can do. See, it's very fascinating that everything except Jesus in the spiritual realm is a lie. They have no power and authority. God has the authority. He is the absolute authority in all things, even when it comes to evil kings. And we'll learn this later on in this message. So these men made their livelihood on their supposed ability to hear from the gods and receive secrets from the spirit realm. And, and if they were truly what they said they were, they should be able to tell King Nebuchadnezzar not only the dream, but its interpretation also. So King Nebuchadnezzar was just like holding them accountable for what they said they were. Verse 7, they answered again, and it's quite fascinating to me that they're still trying to appeal to the king after he said he was going to chop him up, they didn't do what he said. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will give its interpretation. So they were trying to negotiate with him because they knew that there is impossible. And so we see here in verse 8, king, the king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. In other words, you're trying to buy time. You're trying to make things up. You're trying to gather an opportunity for you to appease me when really I already told you what's going to happen to you. I'm going to chop you up in pieces if you don't do what I say. King Nebuchadnezzar continues and says in verse, end of verse nine, therefore tell me the dream and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. So he was testing them. He didn't remember exactly the details of the dream and he's saying, hey, if you guys are really these people, you can tell me the dream itself and then I'll know you'll be able to give me the interpretation. Verse 10, thou Chaldeans answered the king and listen to this, you guys, and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter 
Therefore, no king, no lord or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing. Verse 11, the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not in the, with the flesh. So, even, so we see here, even these ungodly men knew that it was only God who could accomplish the task that, king, that the king of Babylon had asked of these men. Such an interesting situation, how they still appeased him even when they told him what was going on. Verse 12, for this reason, the king was angry and very furious. So now King Nebuchadnezzar, he's, he's ticked. And he gave the command to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And so once a king did this, it was like, it was verbatim. There was no more appealing. There was nothing else. He sent, um, the, verse 13, so the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So um, King Nebuchadnezzar's men, they started seeking out these wise men. And this is kind of interesting too, because there's a consequence that's happening with the, 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 the quote-unquote wise men of Babylon because of these other wise men. I don't think all of the wise men were actually in front of King Nebuchadnezzar in his court. It would have been too many people. And I'm assuming that, so don't, don't take that as like, that's exactly how the interpretation is. But I'm just thinking through what, 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 what King Nebuchadnezzar's court would have been like. Um, and so this decree went out. And so the king, he had, he had very, like I said, he had very, very bad anger issues. Um, we will continue to see that later on. This didn't change until um, God changed Nebuchadnezzar. Um, Nebuchadnezzar did end up turning to the Lord. We'll see that later on in Daniel. We see that now Daniel and his three companions are sought after as well. They were guilty by association. They had done nothing wrong at all, not one thing. Verse 14, then the counsel and wisdom Daniel answered Arioch. So Arioch, who was the captain of the king's guard, they had already been doing this horrible deed and they ended up coming to Daniel's place. And it's fascinating how when God, when God's man is, is, is walking in step with God, it's like, I just, this isn't in my notes, but I was just thinking about um, Moses leading, you know, leading uh, all of the Israel, so millions of people out of Egypt and then they have the Red Sea, right? And Moses lifts up his staff and the Red Sea parts. And when God's people are walking in step with the power of God, now we have the Holy Spirit living in us, great things happen and we can stand in opposition against the things that are evil. It's so important in, in, in my own personal life, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm in this funnel right now where God's just, Brian, you can't do these things in your own strength. You have to rely on me. And it's, it, it, and, it, and it's difficult for me because, you know, I, I, I want to make something happen in certain areas of my life, but I, I can't, you know. And the Lord wants to use us, but He also wants to, He demands the glory in our life as well, you know. Um, the more we walk with the Lord, you know, somebody mentioned this, I don't know if you've heard this before, you know, is that, you know, we're like an onion. You know, you peel an onion and the first layer, eh, it's okay, but you start getting down to the the layers of it. And what happens? You start crying even more. And so as God starts revealing the layers of our lives, it becomes more and more intense. And as believers, it should cause us to cry out in desperation more and more for the Lord in our life. And so we see here, it's fascinating. So Daniel, he comes to Daniel's house. <clears throat> then with counsel, 
and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. It's fascinating. Daniel had godly wisdom and counsel. He was not reactive to the false accusations against him. I'm guilty. I'm a very, I'm a reactive person. Ask my wife. Man, and it, it, it's, it never gets me anywhere good. Um, verse 15, he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is this, why is the decree from the king so urgent? In other words, why is this, why is this just so, oh, it's got to happen now. Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. He told him what had gone on with Nebuchadnezzar and, and, the, and the wise men that were in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. And so verse 16, so Daniel went in and asked the king. So it's fascinating here. We see that Daniel has, you know, uh, the ability to enter into the king's court. We learned that after, you know, Daniel chapter 1, how they were given position. Daniel had a special position within King Nebuchadnezzar's uh, court. And so we see here, Daniel had freedom to come in. And so he went in and he asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. So it's very fascinating. Daniel, you know, um, going before the king, he requested the time not to make excuses like the other men did, but to come back with the possibility of giving the interpretation of the king's dream. It's very fascinating here. You see Daniel, he's like, Daniel didn't have an answer yet, but he told the king, hey, I need time. So then what does Daniel do? Verse 17, and this is so imperative as believers. Then Daniel went to his house and he called his wife. Nope. I don't know if he was married or not. He went and got on Facebook. Nope. He went and got on TikTok. Nope. He went and wrote a letter to somebody. No. He went to his house and he made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. So what did he do? He confided in other Christians. He confided in other believers. It's so important in our lives that we confide with other believers in our lives. And then what happened next? They, that, so, and here was the purpose, so that they might seek the mercies of, from, from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel went home, told his three friends what was going on. The situation was absolutely out of control. Um, there was no way for any of this to happen. I mean, could you imagine, hey, going to your friends, hey, you know what? Um, there's this king who's, you know, wreaking havoc against all of us wise people, and we need to ask God to tell us what his dream is. That's a crazy request. Nothing is impossible for God when the situation, and this isn't for Daniel to look great. This is God or, ordained this circumstances and this situation to bring glory to him. And God had allowed Nebuchadnezzar to be the king in control at the time also because of the Israelites' disobedience to God and not serving him. So, so the, the, God's hand is all over this, just like in our, our day and age now with the, with the way the government is and the things going on in the world, God is absolutely in control. He needs to be the one that we seek out. He needs to be the one that we rely on. He needs to be the one that's our strength. When we're in diverse situations, he should be the one that we rely upon, not others. We should be praying all the time. We should be asking others to pray. Just like the other day, I reached out to a friend. I said, hey, told him my circumstance, you know, and, and, and they, they, they said they were praying for me, you know, and it's just amazing what God wants to do. So verse 18, so this is the reason why they might seek the mercy of God in heaven concerning the secret, this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. So he went home, he told his three friends what's going on, and it was a task that only God could give the answer for. 
Um, this is such a great thing for us to see here. We know that these four men had wisdom beyond others. We read about that in chapter one. Yet when faced with this task, what did they do? They sought the face of God in prayer, seeking for his mercies pertaining to this unreal situation. These men who we see God's word claim that they were wise didn't even rely upon their own wisdom for this situation and circumstance. It's a very, it's, it, it's a great, and I was thinking about, you know, th- this community, any community you live in, get together with friends and, and have prayer nights at your house. You know, um, some of the pastors, we had, we prayed out in front of, you know, uh, the, the corner over here a, a few months back. And, and I was thinking about this. I go, wow, this, this needs to happen more often, you know, to seek God's face. Like I put in my notes here, you know, how powerful it is when we have a gathering of friends around our life in prayer, seeking the creator of heavens and the earth for his mercy. We need God to have mercy on us and direct us. Folks, please, I'm asking you, I put this in my notes too, you know, this movie night we're doing. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if you know, but when we first were called to Oliverhurst, like we had opposition of even being able to use the youth center um, for church gatherings. And, and it, you know, it was circumstantial and it was whatever. But I, I, when I, whenever I see Christians wanting to go do something in a community and there's pushback, I look at that as spiritual warfare against what God wants to do. And I'm not saying I'm great. I'm nothing. Whatever, if there's something in your life that you want to step forward in, in ministry or serving the Lord or in prayer or, or, cause God calls us as Christians to be what? A dark piece of coal under a plate? No, we're to be light. Cause the light of the world is in us. God's in us. That's a purpose of the church. That's why, that's one of the reasons why the Lord allowed crazy human beings to have a, such a close relationship with them is not just so that we could be saved from hell because praise the Lord that we have that opportunity, but so that we can gather as many people as we possibly can before the Lord comes. We want to be the light and, 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 and the hands and feet of the Lord in the communities that we live in. And so when I see, uh, you know, um, opposition in that fashion, I view it as spiritual warfare against what God might want to do. We knew that God had called us to this community, okay? We just didn't know how this was all going to work out. And so now, God's, through the years, God's given us, you know, relationships. See, we don't just come here on Sunday. We have relationships with those that, that are involved in leadership in the community. And that's so important because my desire and our team's desire, and I think your desire as well, is to build community within Olivehurst that, that glorifies God. And if we can't build community with others, how can we rub shoulders with others for them to know that Jesus is real? It's like our friend, you know, that uh, Cadence, she's here today. I probably shouldn't say names, sorry. But she's here today. She's a friend of my, my, my kids. And so she spent the night with, you know, at our house. She's Miranda's friend and she lives down the street. And we were talking about the Lord or something at the dinner table. And she said, I didn't even know God existed until I ran into you guys. And I was like, this is a 10-year-old. I mean, we didn't go, hey, you know what? Why don't you tell us how great we are? And I just sat, I didn't even say anything. I was just like, and that was just a little nugget that the Lord just like showed me that, that, that our life does something with people. And let me encourage you guys that you are alive because God wants to use you in your environment. We make all sorts of excuses. And yes, we're all flawed and we all have issues. Absolutely. I'm the greatest issue that I have is my own issues, right? I, I can create all sorts of problems with relationships but God still wants to use us. That's why I believe the Lord wanted me to put that scripture of Corinthians in there as an encouragement that he uses 
those of us that, that, are, that might feel that we're messy because God wants to get the glory. And so I, I encourage you guys, just as we read Daniel chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, where Daniel went to his friends and they prayed, they sought God's face, please be praying for these movie nights that God has allowed us to have at Oliverhurst Community Park. We have banners that are, that are over down on, on Oliverhurst Avenue, and, and we're going to have some other banners made that we get to put up at Oliverhurst Park. And Gina and I see, and, and, and maybe you do too, that this community needs life and vision that comes from the Lord to be poured out into the community. And yes, the movie nights are going to be fun, but you know what? We're like undercover people, man. We're going to bring Jesus to these people. You know, we want Jesus to be seen. We don't want just, oh, you know, that's one thing that, and I'm going off on a tangent now, but that's one thing that really trips me up about, you know, modern church. And I was thinking about this during worship is that, you know, we might not be the polished band, but if you're going to church because the music satisfies your soul, then you're in the wrong place. Go to a concert, you know? 50 years ago, they didn't have this stuff. They had the choir and people's voices were what made the music. And so nowadays we've turned into, you know, uh, being visually stimulated instead of actually worshiping God when we're singing together. And so man, seek God's face. Let him be the power in your life. Please be praying for this movie night that the Lord would move through this humble little group of people. You know, we bought, uh, the Lord provided opportunity. We bought a 25 foot movie screen. I have no idea this thing's huge, you know? And so, and, and we have the ability to bring, you know, there's a generator at my house. And so God's provided these things. And man, it's just a neat opportunity. And besides that, there's a relationship happening within a secular community, you know, between your church and, and OPUD and, 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 and even the, 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 the quickie mart or the liquor store, the gas stations where, you know, these signs are at. We've gone in and told these people who we are and what we're about. And it just tells me, it's like, there's, there's people in this community that want to see life happen. You know, they want to see great things happen. You know, somebody said, hey, we did a movie night 10 years ago. Okay. You know, everything happens in Plumas Lake and everything happens in Yuba City, but there's 16,000 people out here. You know, let's see what God wants to do. And it starts with prayer. And so I'm asking you guys, be praying for these things, you know, just like when we do the outreach for you know, Halloween. We don't, I don't, we don't celebrate Halloween. That's the whole purpose is to invite people to come in contact with Jesus. And you guys all made it fun and amazing. You know, it's, it was great. And so, and we're dovetailing um, the movie night with VBS. And so we're, we're cross-pollinating these two things. And we really believe that God wants to transform the kids in this community as well. You know, and so that's, that's why we have children's ministry. You know, and that's why we do VBS. And last year's VBS, it was, it was amazing. We're like, wow, this turned out neat. You never know how any of these things are going to happen. We don't have some like, hey, if you do this, this, and this, then it'll be this successful. That's not how that works. And so just please be praying. Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. <clears throat> Verse 19 of Daniel chapter 2. Um, so... <laughs> Daniel and his friends sought the Lord. Um, and then verse 19, we see, see this. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel, excuse me, in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So God gave Daniel the answer to this secret that King Nebuchadnezzar demanded to know. 
And what does Daniel do next? Here's what he does. Let's read how he answers God. This is his answer to God. He gives this amazing praise to to God. Daniel answered him and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. It's important for us to understand that. That word might means powerful. His, he is, all strength is His. And He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. In other words, He's the reason why these people have wisdom and understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. What an amazing situation between Daniel and his friends. It's just a, just a testimony of, of, of God. And, and the Lord allowed this to happen with Daniel, again, for, to glorify God, not Daniel. You see, Daniel's response isn't, oh, look at how great I am, or look at how learned I am, and look at this great thing God did for me. No, he, he basically took what God gave him, and he got on his knees, and it's like um, those in heaven that throw their crowns at, 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 at the throne of Jesus, laying down this royalty thing that they have, and they, they're constantly in heaven, constantly taking this crown and throwing it before the throne. And we need to do that in our lives. We need to constantly be taking what we have and laying it down at God's feet and giving Him all the glory and giving Him all the honor and giving Him all the praise. It needs to be... A, a, a process in our life to where it becomes part of our life. And we're all learning that in different stages of our lives. But it's amazing. I, I, I love that, how Daniel, and how Daniel, he could have, oh, hey, thanks, God. Okay, I'm going to go do this. The Lord allows us to see this amazing accolades that Daniel gives to God. Verse 24, so therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon, he went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. So I found this fascinating as well. It's amazing how we see here how Daniel, God's man, was used to stop the destruction of all the wise men in Babylon. Again, God has given Christians this, this, this I hate to say this, but this position, this place. All of you have relationships with people and be praying God's going to use you the way he used Daniel. He wants to use you in your life to affect those around you in a godly way. Let him use you. Verse 25, then Ariok quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah and who will make known to the king the interpretation so Eric made it seem as if he had procured this person to give the king the interpretation. Verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, that was the name that was given to him. We learned about that in Daniel chapter 1, how they replaced their godly names with names that brought notoriety to 
the uh, demons that they worshipped. Um, so here's what Nebuchadnezzar said, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and, in, and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men from, from the wise men, the astrologers and the magicians and the soothsayers and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. In other words, they can't do it. It's impossible. This is impossible for man to do. And then Daniel switches gears here, and this is the way we need to look at our life and those around us and how God wants to use us and be a part of us, and we need to give him glory in our lives and how he wants to use us in our lives. And Daniel does this, and he says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, which is the title of this message, God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. So Daniel says, hey, your dream that was given to you isn't for today, it's for latter days being already passed and actually things that haven't even occurred in our day and age today. Your dream and the visions of your head upon, not the past, but the future from Nebuchadnezzar, sorry. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. And we're gonna stop there today because um, the uh, description and interpretation of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream uh, is important to go into as a study, and I didn't want to just blow through it. But so we see here, though, that Daniel did not take credit um, at all for what was told to him by God. Here is a great example of someone that could have said, oh, yes, I am that one. I am that smart person, the one that has the ability to accomplish this great task look at me, oh, look at me. But no, Daniel took no credit whatsoever. In fact, he's saying that there is no man able to do what Nebuchadnezzar requested. Only God in heaven can give the answer to these secrets. In fact, it was God that gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream um, and vision of what would take place in latter days. We'll learn that later on, that this dream really came from God. Is what It, it disturbed Nebuchadnezzar. Um, again, so we'll stop there today. And uh, just thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy and for your word and for the account of Daniel. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would just continue to build in us what's needed from you, Lord. Help us with our um, habits and hangups, our insecurities, our frustrations. Um, I pray that you would just continue to give us... Um, tenacity and strength from you to keep going, Lord. I pray that you would stir up all of our daily relationship with you, Lord, that you would stir up our desire to read your word, God. Um, just praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.